0: So, uh, so today we are actually going to continue our series on, say that loud, loving God back. Christianity is a thank you life. Everything we do is a thank you for what Christ has done for us. We did not earn our salvation. You cannot earn heaven. It's all a free gift by what Christ did on the cross. So in the month of January, we talk about loving God With our time, loving God with our talents, how gifted you are, and how you love God back by doing what you do better than anybody else, and loving God with our treasure, which Phil Williams knocked it out of the park last week with that amazing message on loving God with your treasure. Today, we're going to launch a whole month uh, that we're calling No Place Left. And that is loving God with your testimony. So I want you to watch this quick clip about No Place Left. It is a global movement that we are partnering with. And I'm going to share with you today about uh, what your part is in this global movement.
1: This is a period of religious adult sexual rally, and yet the gospel was serving the walk. Could we see the same thing in the dark day?
0: she's done coming back when you are coming out and passing the mic to each other so our goal is to share Christ the good news of Jesus forgiveness of sins freely through what Christ did for us to the entire world, and then Jesus comes back, and so, obviously, you and I uh, are going to have the opportunity, like Gary did, to go to the other side of the world, my daughter and I are going with Stephanie to, the other, to India in July, we send missions teams all the time, but that's not what you and I do uh, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, we work at Target, you work at uh, Scripps. Um, You work as a teacher. You work as an engineer. You're a mom. You're a dad. I mean, that's our normal life. And it's in our circles of influence where people have access to us and we have access to them. And we carry the greatest message on the planet. Free forgiveness by God through His Son, Jesus. So... There is nothing on this side of heaven. There's nothing we do, family of God. There's nothing you do. No dream you have. No desire you have. No offense or pain or hurt that you have to endure. There's no broken relationship you have to repair. There's no greatest vacation that you get to go on. There's no retirement nest egg that you're saving up. That is more important than leading somebody to Jesus for the eternal salvation. It doesn't even compare. It doesn't even compute. And so living for the salvation of others is our mission in life. And for those of you here today who have not yet given your life to Christ, we're talking about you. But the reason we're talking about you is because the love of God flows out of our hearts for lostness. Flows out of our hearts for those who have not yet come to Christ. I thank God for the obnoxious co-worker that I worked with on the construction site when I was 19 years old who would not stop inviting me to church. He was so annoying. It's like, man, every time I'd go to work, hey, you want to come to church? No. Because I would think, when I thought of church, I thought of you know, what I, the religion I grew up in and I knew that wasn't what I needed, but I did know there was a hole in my soul. I did know something was, was missing. I knew there was lostness inside of me. I would go out with my friends and party and get drunk and have a blast and wake up the next morning and that hole in me was bigger. It was an enigma. Went to college, taking a full course, empty. So I added electives. I took a ridiculous level uh, amount of credits. Emptier. Had a girlfriend. Emptier. And she was cute, and I'm not nearly as cute as my wife, mind you, by the way. But she was awesome. I mean, my life was great, but the inside, there was this gaping void. And I'm just so thankful that he had decided that his mission in life was to do everything he could to bring people to know the Jesus that he knew. And so I finally went to church just to get them to stop inviting me. That's why I went. I went three times and it just I didn't understand. Everybody was happy and nobody was stoned. I didn't get it. I mean, how could you all be so happy and there's no alcohol, there's no drugs, there was live music, there was uh, everybody's just dressed in jeans and everybody's carrying a Bible. I thought this is odd. All I knew was the bar scene. I didn't I you know, I didn't uh, know this. And everybody was happy and peaceful and content and the messages were so relevant and I'd never heard the gospel growing up the good news that our sins have separated us from God and there is no bridge between us and God because the penalty of sin is the eternal separation from God that's what the Bible teaches that's what Jesus taught but God so loves you and I that He sent His own Son To die for our sins. An innocent man taking the place of guilty people. And then he rose from the dead, broke the power of death on the grave. He sits at the right hand of God right now. And he's calling us. He's calling the entire world. Every single human being breathing on the planet right now is being called by God to come to his son. For free forgiveness. Until the time is up and the period of grace is over. So whatever you're doing in life as a follower of Jesus, it is not nearly as important as seeking and saving those who have not yet come to Christ. And so why don't we do this? Do you know statistics are just brutal? There are a majority of believers that say... Do we have that graphic uh, Mike. The majority of believers say, 75% on the right hand side up here, 75% say they feel comfortable sharing their belief in Christ with someone, which surprises me. Because over here, the 61% up here say they have not shared how to become a Christian with anyone in the past six months. 48% have not invited anyone to church in the past six months. 20% Twenty percent rarely or never pray for people to come to Christ. Eight percent said they're hesitant to share the Christ, share Christ. Eighty percent agree I have a personal responsibility to share my religious beliefs about Jesus Christ with non Christians. I believe there's two reasons why we as the army of God, the body of Christ, the ambassadors of Jesus, don't share the greatest message on the planet with those in our circles of influence. And I'm going to hit the first one first. Isn't that smart? I believe it has to do with the love factor. I pray that over the next four weeks, listen, I know that this message of the Great Commission, this challenge to shift our paradigm, our priorities, to caring about those around us who don't know Jesus, I I know it's uncomfortable. I know we'd rather hear a different message. But I believe... Two of the main reasons we're uncomfortable with a message on evangelism, we can call it, is One is because the love of God isn't flowing through our hearts for the harvest the way His heart is. I will hear a dangerous prayer that over the next four Sundays our hearts break the way God's heart breaks for the people we work with and live next door to and are related to. It's a divine work, and I'm asking for it. I'm asking you to ask for it. I'm asking all of us here at the Gathering Place Church ask God to grip your heart with His love for people, especially those who have not yet come to His Son. Did you know that the Bible says that God so hated the world? That he gave his only son? Did you know that's what the Bible says? No? Let me reread that. Let me see what. Oh! I'm sorry, I, I'm, I didn't see that accurately. God so what the world? Isn't that amazing? That God could look from heaven, this perfect. Pristine, sinless, gorgeous place called heaven. And he can look into the earth at us, at murder, at rape, at thievery, at injustices, at hate, at racism, sexism. I mean, he can look at the lust in our hearts and, and the greed in life, and he can look at how we treat one another, and he looks at us and says, I love them. That is amazing to me. I mean, we're all looking at the same world He is. And it's so easy to hate. But the love of God is a supernatural force. It flows through our hearts Toward the most unlovely people Have you ever experienced that before? I'm going to ask you sincerely Have you ever experienced the love of God flowing through you Especially for someone that you hated And then God's love starts flowing through you Toward them And you don't appreciate it Anybody ever experienced that before? I have Where somebody's like done me wrong And I'm like oh And then the scripture says Pray for your enemies I'm like I'd rather eat a bowl of rocks (laughs) But Jesus says, pray for those who spitefully use you and mistreat you. Pray for them. You know why he's saying that? I don't think it's for their sake. I think it's for our sake. Because when I begin to pray for those who have done me wrong, all of a sudden God's love starts to fill my heart. I'm like, stop! I want to hate them! (laughs) And God's like, I love them! I'm like, why? (laughs) Why? And His love starts flowing through me. And all of a sudden, you know what you start feeling for the person when the love of God starts flowing through you? I'll know you've done this if you say the right word. Yeah, compassion or pity. Because you start thinking, wow, for them to be that kind of person, they must be miserable. Poor thing. Seriously, that's what happens. And you start to pray for them sincerely that they would come to know Christ. Or if they're a Christian, they'd repent. Let's read what the Bible says about God's love for every person you know. Every single one. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world... That He even gave His one and only begotten Son, so that whoever believes and trusts in Him as Savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son or His church into the world to judge and condemn the world. Hello! Okay, I need an amen right there. We can't move forward. <laughs> God did not send His church into the world to judge and condemn the world. That's not our job. Thank God the guy who worked with me on the construction site wasn't judging me and condemning me for being a hedonist. I was a really good hedonist. You couldn't compete with me. I was lost. I'd go to work high like every day I'd be on, I'd be doing speed if I partied all night long I needed speed to be able to stay awake at work I'd be stoned I'd get stoned on the job I mean I was I mean I was he didn't look at me like he did not say no for me in his mind he didn't say well they wouldn't be, he wouldn't be interested I'm not going to invite him to church I mean he wouldn't be interested he did not say no for me he left it up to me to say no, which I did, over and over. But he just wouldn't take no for an answer. Praise the Lord. And I don't want to steal Stephanie's thunder, because she's going to be sharing next week. But she says, that guy. <laughs> I'm sorry, Stephanie. I'm going to take it. That guy who witnessed to me, who invited me to church on the construction site, and I finally went for just a little while, and then we have not seen each other since, and that was in 1982, 92, 102, twelve? how many are you, 30 five years, 36 years ago, he has no idea that I've been a pastor for 30 years, that I've been all over the globe leading hundreds of people to Christ, have led hundreds of people to Christ over the last 30 years. and He has no idea. He has no idea the kind of fruit that he's bearing because he invited some partier construction worker to church. That's all he did. Just invited me to church. Did you know that the second you were saved, you became an ambassador? of what the Bible calls reconciliation. An ambassador. You know what an ambassador is? Like Nikki Haley is our ambassador to the United Nations. She speaks on behalf of the President of the United States and the country of us, the people of the United States. She speaks on our behalf to the United Nations. In high school, there's school ambassadors, right? Uh, These are students or in colleges that speak on behalf of the administration, the leadership of the school. You represent them and you speak their message to those who are on the campus. You and I, the moment you're born again, become an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Representing heaven and you have the message of salvation in your heart and on your lips. And the Bible says it, that message you and I have, it is the power of God for salvation to whoever believes it. You do not have to have a Ph.D. in systematic theology to share the gospel. Jesus knew that if He was going to leave the salvation of the world up to you and I sharing the message with people who have not yet come to his son, he had to make it as simple as he possibly could. Right? That's why this month, Stephanie's going to be doing some workshops and training and sharing with you how to effectively share the gospel. Let's read what this scripture says. I was reading this message, I was reading this scripture in Starbucks this week as I was preparing for this message and I got caught on this first sentence and I started tearing up right there in Starbucks. And I've been reading this for thirty what do we say, thirty-six years, but it just it's hard to get over. Second Corinthians five, seventeen through twenty says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. This is not a membership to a club. This is not joining a religion. That word new person there literally means new creation. It's the exact same word when it says God spoke and created the heavens and the earth. It literally means something that never existed before came into existence. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you invite Him in, bam, immediately the Holy Spirit connects with your spirit, and you're what Jesus calls born again. You were born physically through your mama's womb. Now you're born by the Spirit of God into the kingdom kingdom of God. You're translated from the powers of darkness to the power of light and you become a son or daughter of God instantaneously. And immediately you become an ambassador, a messenger. To reconcile means to bring back together what has been broken apart or to mend. Do you know that one of the greatest tools you and I have of sharing the gospel is simply your story? Listen to this. We have a story coming out for you. Come on. just stand right here and as soon as she's coming back you're coming out I'm going to read all people. of you so I
2: don't ramble my life before Christ was filthy chaotic
1: oh, oh. it's
0: on. we are hot you are not oh okay There we go oh
2: there <laughs> okay my life before Christ was filthy chaotic and dominated by fear I had been watching a close friend's life changing as she pursued a relationship with Jesus, and I wanted what she had. I started taking my daughters to church, and eventually all three of us accepted Christ on the same day, responding in faith to the gospel. That was the day I made Jesus Lord of my life. Since accepting Christ, my life is filled with a peace that passes understanding and a deep desire to seek purity before the Lord. I have an unbridled gratitude for Jesus every day.
3: Good morning, everyone. Um, so before I uh, started my relationship with Christ, I was uh, extremely wild, obnoxious, gung ho. Uh, my foot was pedal to the metal, and uh, since that transition, I'm still wild, gung ho, wild, obnoxious, with pedal to the metal, but in a complete different light. Prior to, I was all about my self ambition, my goals, my desires, the things I wanted to ac- accomplish in the natural, and that that changed. And now my my number one desire goal is to pursue my walk and put that motivation, ambition towards that light, and to reach out to others and show love to others. And, and uh, growing up, you know, when you're when you're a young kid growing up, you're you're chasing these things, but there's there's always that void, and I'm sure we can all relate to this. And uh, until uh, the Lord uh, used me and or used my my wife today, at the time we were just dating, and I took it. Uh, Hookline and sinker. Uh, she invited me to service and I uh, kept pushing back and finally one day I decided to join her. And after three services, this is uh, October 5th of 2007, um, I got saved and
0: started my relationship from there. So, thank you. Yeah, when he uses the pretty girls to get us to church, I call him Jehovah Sneaky.
4: <laughs> so I had been praying for about seven years. Grew up knowing uh, and believing in God. In about 23, uh, one night in the Navy, out at sea, I told God, I haven't seen you, heard you, anything. I'm not praying anymore. About two weeks later, my ship diverted, pulled into Maryland, met two guys that came on the ship. I was giving a tour around the ship. They walked up to one of my shipmates. They were talking to him. And they said, hey, do you have the Holy Ghost? And a big glow came all around this guy and I said to them what is this Holy Ghost and they asked to pray with me we started to pray I could feel the presence of God it was Sunday we went to church that night I got baptized and the presence of God was so powerful when I came up out of that water I thought I was going to die I thought God had brought me there to die Um, nothing's been the same Ever since, I can say without a shadow of doubt, Jesus is alive.
2: Amen.
5: So I first had the experience with the Lord when I was quite young, actually. It was uh, kind of like Gary was talking about earlier, very supernatural uh, outpouring of God's spirit in my life. It was when I first read the Bible for the first time. And I was about 11 years old, and I just felt God's power and His love flowing through me. I mean, it's something I couldn't manufacture. Um, But then for the next 10 years, I decided that even though 100% in my mind I knew God existed, and there was no doubt about that, I still wanted to basically pursue the desires of my flesh. Like Solomon says, you know, I withheld nothing from my eyes. And uh, I did that for about 10 years and just realized how meaningless it was, how, you know, chasing after these things were not fulfilling and eventually gave my life um, to the Lord in college. And it was at that point in time where I was just filled again with His Spirit, with His love, with His uh, purpose. And ever since then, you know, it's just been an amazing change. So that's, that's my testimony. Awesome. Thank you, Rick.
1: Uh, my name is Rachel, and um, I'm going to start with uh, how Jesus uh, came into my life in uh, the summer uh, right after high school. In August, I started to realize that there was an exchange that I thought was going to happen. That since I grew up in poverty, and I grew up with, um, in, a na- in, a na- in a neighborhood that was dangerous, and I grew up without a father, and I had constantly had people like drug addicts and everything trying to cut, like, you know, come and like try to get me off the path. And I thought that if I followed the the way that the world told me to do, go to high school, get good grades, I thought that that was going to actually end up, I graduated and I was going to be in a better place. And I realized that summer that didn't happen. And I realized that the world failed me in that moment. I was going, the world doesn't have my back. The world doesn't care about me, but I did everything I could. I said no to everything. I was, I overcame so many things. And then August 15th, My brother's teacher invited him to church. My brother... And my brother invited me to church. And I walked in and the Holy Spirit's presence was over the whole place. And they shared the gospel in Mandarin. And when they said, will you raise your hand? Whoever who wants to receive Jesus, I threw my hand up in the air. I said, I said, yeah. All of a sudden I realized who Jesus was to me. He didn't start loving me that day. It was all over my life. And he showed me his loving kindness in every single moment building up to that point. And all of a sudden I just could see it. And I was like, Jesus, I love you too, Jesus. I love you you too so much. I want to know you. I want to get to know you more. I won't, don't ever want you to leave me. Stay with me like you've been with me. But now that I know, I want to know you more. And so I kept, I kept, I just kept him in my life. And so now I just know that anytime I have a problem, if it's emotional, I just call on him, Jesus, be my comforter. Lord, if it's financial, you just make it happen. I don't know how you do it. You just do it. I mean, if it's financial. If it's, if it's, Me healing. I've experienced healing here in this place. So then, when I go out and I'm walking around and I see people walking around, I'm carrying the Holy Spirit with me. Lord Jesus, go after them. I know that He already has the victory in your life. He already has it. He's already died on the cross for you and He's going after you. I don't care if my eyes saw you drive by. Oh, Jesus is going after Him.
5: Yep. I don't know how. I don't know when, but He's going to get Him. He's
1: And the blessing of him is to open up his life to him and overtake his whole entire life and he's his life, her life, and that's just going to happen. And that's the power of Jesus that we are walking with. Anybody that we're connecting with, whether it's in prayer or just, you know, if they talk to you, if they talk to you, be nice. And talk to them back nicely, being like Jesus. And they'll be like, wow, Jesus, is like the God that you know is nice. I like that God. Like, yeah, he's pretty cool. You know?
0: Okay. And then sometimes, <laughs> and then sometimes, you become a preacher. Amen. Now, every one of these folks that I emailed this week said, Would you give your testimony? Almost every one of them said no, initially. Because we're uncomfortable telling our story. And I wanted to show you how easy it is. I simply sent them a one-page form from Stephanie. What was your life before Christ? Give us a couple words. When did you get saved and what happened? What is your life like now? A couple of words. And you can do it. It was supposed to be in 30 seconds, but sometimes the anointing comes on you. But you just heard five testimonies up here of people from the congregation that just wrote that this week. You've got to get your story in your mind, very crisp. I was empty. I gave my life to Christ when I went to church three times. I said, I don't know if you're real or not, but I invite you into my life. And now my life is filled with purpose and passion. And it's been that way for over 30 some years. That's my testimony. That's my story. Then you say, has anything ever happened like that to you? And you just be quiet. Your story is so powerful. Look what the Bible says about the power of our story. In Revelation twelve eleven, it says this. They, that means you and I, defeated him. That is the devil who's trying to keep people from Christ. Defeated him through the blood of the Lamb. That is, we didn't earn our salvation. It's a free gift. And say it out loud. Say it again. One more time with gusto. Come on. The bold word of your testimony. And they weren't in love with themselves. They were willing to die for Christ. What does it mean they weren't in love with themselves? I want to hit very quickly because we run out of time. We talk about the love factor. That God so loved the world. And I am praying that God's love would grip us. Would really grab us. So that His priority, which is people lost people, that's what Jesus calls those who have not yet come to Him spiritually lost, searching, that his, love, that his love for them would literally grip our hearts and just wreck us. I'm praying that for you whether you like it or not. So, and I pray it happens to all of us so that we are, we are the love of God to people. The second thing, though, and I believe this is just as much of a blockade, and I've got to hit this very quickly, and that is the fear factor. I believe that most believers are afraid, especially in our current environment, to share their story, to share their faith, to share what Christ has done in your life. Timothy was, believe it or not. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he had a spiritual son named Timothy, and this is what he wrote to Timothy, and in context, this is talking about sharing your faith in Christ. We quote the Scripture a lot, but we need to understand, in context, it's talking about evangelism. Look what he writes to Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear. That's what Timothy was dealing with. So it's normal. But of power and of love and of self-discipline. A spirit of power. A spirit of love. That's the Holy Spirit. And of self-discipline. So this is not humanly produced. It's the Holy Spirit's production. So never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. Isn't that what people try to do to believers? Shame our belief system. Don't... Don't don't ever be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for Him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. You see how fear and shame are the forces there. Trying to do what? Shut your mouth. You are an ambassador of reconciliation. Reconciliation bringing God and people back together. You are the link. You're the ambassador. And what is it? The message of the gospel. Jesus loves you. You died for your sins. Receive Him as your Savior. You'll be saved. Your sins will be forgiven. That's That's it. That's it. That's it. By the way, if you didn't know what the gospel was, that's it. It's so simple. That's it. And it's the power of God. A person hears it. They believe it. They're born again. Raise your hands real quick. Just go like this. Would you do this, everybody? Just raise your hands. Okay. Does anybody see any light shafts coming through the holes in your hands? No? If yes, that's a problem. Turn to the person next to you and say, You are not the savior of the world. Say you're just an ambassador. Just say, Tell your story, stupid. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Okay, so i got to go quickly. So there are three things that fear and shame cause us to be afraid of. Number one is reputation. Our reputation. Especially in this day and age now to be a believer. Now you have to understand, our nation used to be a Christian nation. The shopping malls were closed on Sundays. There were no sports on Sundays. Sundays was a holy day. Our founding fathers were God-worshippers. They built this nation on their faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, they said this experiment will not work without the fear of God and faith in God. It won't work. Democracy doesn't work without God being the head because then who gets to be the head? The majority, and that's dangerous. So our founding fathers were God-worshippers, and they built this nation on worshiping God. That's why our nation... uh, was a Christian, a Judeo-Christian nation, and but after you know Nietzsche did his deal, and after Darwin evolution came through, all of a sudden God has been is either he's either dead or he doesn't exist, or he's certainly irrelevant and unnecessary, and so he has been marginalized, 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 and now the the, the generation, the, the millennial generation, I mean. They are they are biblically uneducated. That's why when I teach, sometimes I'll say, Daniel or David or Goliath. I'm all, I, have to, I have to explain who these people are. Well, we have a generation now that doesn't even know. The Bible kept Moses. Never heard of him. Seriously, never heard of him. And now it's moved even further to where... You are a bigot. You are a hater if you're a Christian. And so our reputations are at stake. So what do we do about this? Well, the Apostle Paul was accused of being someone that he was not. They accused the Apostle Paul of being a a person whose only motivation was to manipulate people for their money. And what did Paul say about this? Galatians 1.10, he says, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I cannot, or I would not be, I say, you cannot be a servant of Christ. Look what else he goes on to say. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He'll bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. The one thing that helps you be an ambassador for Christ is carrying more about what your reputation is in heaven than on earth. In fact, the book of Proverbs says this, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls, see there's a battle over souls. This is a spiritual battle. He who wins souls, wins souls, is wise. In the earth you're a fool if you're a Christian. In heaven, they consider you and I wise. But you also have to live in a way that matches Your witness. Look what Paul says. We can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with God, a God-given holiness and sincerity in all of our dealings. This is how we have conducted ourselves before the world and especially toward you. This is called sharing and showing the gospel. You and I have to understand every single encounter we have with somebody we're either drawing them closer to Christ or repelling them farther from Christ based on you and I representing Jesus to them. I think about this when I'm at the grocery store and the clerk, I have an interaction with them, I'm thinking, you know, if I get upset because of something and I act like a jerk, how am I then going to say, oh, by the way, would you like to come to church? I think about the parents of my my teenagers, the the parents of their friends' parents. And, you know, I'm at the volleyball tournaments, you know, and I'm like, you know, I just want to, oh, yell at the ref. You, whoa, you can't, you know, you just want to go off. You know what I think when I want to go off? I think about the parents sitting next to me. And how am I ever going to share Christ with them if I'm the jerk? Right. I remember one time I was at my Elliot's Elliot's baseball game, and I remember I jumped up off the stands and said, "Catch the dang ball!" And the guy next to me, who also knew I was a pastor, said, "Sit down." I was embarrassed. I said, "Why?" He says, "You're out of control." I was like, "Oh my!" God. I was I was humiliated. And guess how old the boys were who were out there playing baseball? Eight. Would you like to come to our church? Jesus will change your life. <laughs> You've got to be careful. We're ambassadors of Jesus. Second thing, i got to get this quickly, is not just our reputation, but our imposition. Feeling like it's wrong to impose your beliefs system on mothers. I just want to say this. We are not imposing, we are simply inviting. You're just telling your story. They can accept or reject. Just telling your story, inviting them to church. That's all we're doing. You don't have to drill down and like you know. My neighbor one time, there was this old lady. Remember Betty lived next door to me. That she was like in her nineties, right? And and uh, she kind of she had, had dementia and she wasn't completely all there. But then Mark used to harass her. But anyway. <laughs> Um, my neighbor, you know, he was a drug addict. He got saved, but he, then he became really religious. And so he was like fire and brimstone, heaven and hell, and that's all that he ever talked about. And so he was preaching to Betty one day, and she was standing there, and I was talking to her outside of my house. And this neighbor walks up, and he starts drilling down on her, you know. And the last thing he said, you'll get the essence of what he was saying, if you die, and then you wake up, and you meet a woman with snakes for hair, you know you made the wrong choice. <laughs> And as he was preaching at her, she kept moving closer to me and closer. And then she was gripping my arm like this, like squeezing the blood circulation as he's giving the gospel. The good news is what the gospel means to her. And after he walked away, she said, I don't know what the Sam Hill he was talking about. And then she says, you're my preacher. <laughs> We're just inviting people. We're not telling. We're not saying, you're wrong, I'm right. This isn't about wrong and right. This is about an invitation. Look what Paul says. For I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. I'm telling you, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. What He did for me, I am not ashamed. Are you? I am not ashamed of this good news. It's not bad news. It's not bad news. It's good news. Don't let that be changed in your head. Because people are trying to shame you. That's the enemy. I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. Saving everyone who believes. But they're not going to believe it they don't hear it and they won't hear it you going to open your mouth and they bring up the last piece which is not just reputation our reputation or feeling like we're uh, imposition rather than dividing we're imposing the last one is rejection You know, when you think about these brothers and sisters that Gary and I and Stephanie and others have met when we've gone overseas that have have scars in their body from literally being tortured, they all know somebody who has died for Jesus. When they send their people out like we're going to send out here in just a couple minutes, we're leaving this place. When they do that over where we've gone, they don't know if they'll ever see each other again next Sunday. We don't know if some of you will have died for the gospel. That's how they live their lives. So when we talk about rejection, it seems kind of petty. But do you know the neuroscientists have now found that social rejection registers in the brain in the same place that physical pain does? Loneliness, isolation, and rejection can send anxiety and stress hormones through our brains, diminishing our immune system and our overall, overall well-being. Belonging is the most powerful human desire we have. We're not created to live in isolation. And yet, sharing the gospel with people may cause you to be rejected, isolated, judged and hated. And sharing the gospel guarantees, to some degree, social rejection. So, we choose being accepted and belonging over the salvation of our friends. Because we fear social rejection. How do we get over this? Well, the last sentence of the scripture we just read a minute ago, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love. A spirit. It's the Holy Spirit gripping us with this power and His love and a sound, undisturbed mind that can be, you know, differentiate between people trying to shame us and us just... Wanting them to know Christ, it says. Therefore, don't be ashamed of the gospel. And then he goes on to say this: with the with the strength of God, with the strength, the strength that God gives you, be ready to suffer for me, with me, for the sake, for the sake of the good news. You know, the re- reality is, people aren't rejecting you; they're rejecting Jesus. You got. You can't take it personally. If I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't have the value system I have. I would be believe, I'd be believing completely different things, especially in social issues. I'd be completely different in my social issues. But I'm a Christ follower. I'm representing Jesus Christ to every person I meet. So I don't have a choice in what I believe. Neither do you if you're a Christ follower. So they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. And what's the Bible say? That when people you know, know that you're a Christ follower, and they mock you, disdain you, judge you, or categorize you as a hater, not because of your unChrist-like behavior, but because of your Christlike behavior, what's the Bible say to do? Rejoice. What? Yeah. Look what the Scripture says. First Peter. If you are insulted and reviled for bearing the name of Christ, you are blessed, happy with life, joy, and comfort in God's salvation, regardless of your circumstances, because the Spirit of glory and of God is resting on you and indwelling you. He whom they curse, you glorify. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or any sort of criminal in response to persecution or as a troublesome meddler interfering in the affairs of others. But if anyone suffers ill treatment as a Christian because of his belief, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God because he's considered worthy to suffer in this name. If you're not suffering for the name of Christ, I wonder... If you're even taking a risk for the purpose of somebody's salvation. And this is the last point. The reputation, the imposition of imposing our religion on others, when really it's just an invitation, and the potential social rejection, I want to say it's all worth it for the salvation of a friend. The purpose of enduring persecution is not so you can wear it like a badge of honor, though you will be honored in heaven. But rather, it gives those who are far from God the best chance of finding Christ. Look at the Apostle Paul says. With Christ as my witness, and this is what I'm praying would become our hearts, because He's a lot farther than I am. I mean, when you read this, you're like, wow! With Christ, but you have to understand... Before I read this, you have to understand. The Apostle Paul hated Christians. He murdered them. He would have them arrested and tortured and murdered. He hated Christians. He thought they were a false religion and and undoing Judaism. Then the resurrected Jesus Christ appears to Paul. Gave him an ultimatum. And Paul chose wisely, became the greatest leader in the church, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and then was killed for Christ. So God changed him. And he filled his heart with the heart of God for the lost people. And look what Paul wrote. This is God's heart flowing through him. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing. Look at this. This is where he's like beyond me. I would be willing to be forever cursed and cut off from Christ if that would save them. Them. At this point, I'm like, not me. <laughs> I hope you make it, but I'm not giving mine up for you, right? <laughs> but you see, that was God. God had gripped his heart. In fact, one time Paul said, I can't help myself because the love of Christ is constraining me to tell you about his love. Isn't that amazing? I'm so thankful my coworker did not give up on me. Aren't you glad they did not give up on you, Mark? You were a mess. You were scary. You scared people. He was a cussing, spitting, mean, mad, Jesus, I mean, Christian-hating lawyer. Oh, well, all we have to say is lawyer. Right, I mean, I don't... <laughs> Kidding, last. You're a good lawyer. Good lawyer, mean lawyer. Yeah. If a Canadian lawyer can get saved, now no, you're through a country under the bus. Jesus loves Canadians too. Believe it or not. So look, I know the statistics of you and I sharing our faith is very low. And it ought not be. And we all know that. And we feel bad about it. So how about we just get over feeling bad about it. And let's submit ourselves this whole month. As Stephanie shares next week. And then I share again. And then Jesse Miller is going to share. And we're going to have some training workshops on how to share your faith effectively. Easily in a non-threatening way begin praying for your circles of influence your friends start praying for them it's the Holy Spirit's work not your and my work but we're part of the global movement called the Great Commission let's submit ourselves this month and say God wreck us give us your heart and if nothing else just start praying for the people that work to the left and to the right of you or go to school or sit in class and just begin to pray for them and watch God start messing with them. And then be able to come up to you and ask you a question. Like so many of my high school friends who were so mad at me when I gave my life to Christ because I stopped partying with them, stopped running with them, stopped going to the bars because I did not want to anymore. But one by one over the years, they started coming. I'm so glad I stayed the course for their sake. God, we all come to you today. And we ask you together as a spiritual community that you, God, would change the statistics in this church anyway. And the Gathering Place Church, we ask you to do a work in us to where we feel your love flowing through our hearts for those around us, your love, God. And that we will not bow the knee to fear and shame but that we will be willing to suffer for Your name's sake, for the salvation of others. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, "Amen." Amen. Amen! Amen! Well, that was a nice little soft, cushy sermon to open up the series with. So, let's all stand.